folks, Isaac Dick here from Isaac Dick's Firework Emporium. I know the 4th of July is come and gone, which is why I'm here to offer you the deal of a century on all of our expired fireworks. Five years ago, we partnered with the now-defunct Giant Size Team-Up Network to release themed fireworks based off their nerdy podcast. Well, no one bought them. And now that they've expired, I'm offering them to you at cost. Don't worry, they'll still explode, just like the giant-sized team of Network. The Geek vs. Snake Firework is the world's longest snake firework. It also comes with a list of all the things Betty and Casey hate. Just kidding, there's not enough paper in the universe. Pokemon Go mortars look just like the colorful Pokeballs. And once they go up, you can get one of over 300 different Pokemon. Just kidding, it's probably Pidgey. Breaking the panel firecrackers come with a safety pin so you can attach them to someone who doesn't agree with you, like their lapel, or maybe their face. Botch Podcast is a series of 20 rockets, each a different color and more vibrant, but the last will probably blow your arm off and leave you smelling like someone took a dump on your chest. The Blazing Defender Report is a colorful fire hydrant. Once lit, it immediately calls the fire department to come and explain the dangers of fireworks. Also, it comes with a Fuck you, Pop. F- Funko Pop. It's a Funko Pop. And a comic book. Toy Power is a paper mache He-Man. You light the tip of his sword and scream, I have the power! As 1,300 bottle rockets shoot off in every direction, leaving behind a mostly not melted Manny Faces toy. Lastly, FTH Beyond is a special experimental firework. It requires two people to light it, but you don't use fire. One drains his blood into the receptacle while the other inserts cash. Once the explosive is satisfied, you'll get exactly what you want. Just kidding. You'll beg for the sweet release of death as Charles McFall tries to explain why the Hulk is good and some sparklers go off. I'm calling this deal the kinky idyllic living luxury of maximum enjoyment. Head to www.giantsizeteamup.com for all the deals. Hurry and I'll include erotic photos of Kurt. Don't hurry, and I'll mail your family erotic photos of Charles and Paul. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, everything awesome downloaded into your ear holes. This week, we've got all kind of fandom and movie news and interesting things. That's not that makes you go, really? All right, we'll do that. So jumping right in, we've got Mangold chimes in on toxic fandom. And no, you're not going to introduce people? What the fuck? What the fuck? Did you hear the words that came out of my mouth? We're going to jump right in. I no. didn't stop her. I was Hell no. Hell no. No. Give me every week. Fuck us. Me. Me. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's go to the news. Whoa, motherfucker, you didn't let me say that. How does the person at home know who is on this illustrious what if, what if this is their first episode? Then they came for the rock god of podcasting and YouTube. Oh, fuck that. Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, asshole. That's louder than the other assholes, Paul Klotz. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. <laughs> and... and uh, the man who, who tries to be Chris Wisdom, but he's half the man he used to be. A little cheating. Wow. Yeah, see, this is why I don't introduce you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you set yourself up for that failure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, you know, he's talking, we're going to get to this article where James Mangold talks about toxic fandom. And I saw something interesting 
uh, more and more, you know, as things go through, I've seen headlines of such and such artist or, or director or writer comes out and, you know, Star Wars fans are killing Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. And of course, we made jokes about, because it's jokeable, about the idiots who are petitioning, legitimately trying to petition to let Disney let them remake The Last Jedi, which is retardedly stupid. Uh, and, you know, I saw some things where people posted, I, I, I blank it out because I hate toxicity. I hate, hate, you know, it's like, so as soon as I see on my page, I look to who posted it. And if it's somebody I like, I keep scrolling. And if it's somebody I don't really know why you're there, I just get rid of you off my page. Uh, and it was, it was a, it was a Star Wars thing. And it was again, talking about, Oh, I remember what the post was. It was, uh, Oh, great. Let, uh, let, uh, um, shit. I just lost it. Uh, Lando calories let Lando show up in the light. Cause they've been announced Lando calories since coming to nine. Right. Uh, let him show up just long enough to be killed by somebody probably with pink hair and move all these characters we don't even care about. And I'm like, that's exactly why Disney's moving away from you, motherfuckers, because you can't let shit go. And oh. there is a new generation of money coming, and they got to have their own Star Wars. But I'm not sure if this talks about that. But I, I well, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll touch back on that because there's a there's a toxicity to fandom that ruins shit. Last thing we'll say about it before we get into the story is turtles. I always grew up being turtles, but I always have an open mind to new stuff. And I'm sorry. The Ninja Turtles we grew up with in the big screen was stupid as shit. But I loved it because I was a kid, and that's what it was geared for. But that, that was the zeitgeist of the time. Right, it was. I'm not complaining about it, but what I'm complaining about is the fandom of that when J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Abrams. <laughs> look on Phil's face. <laughs> when J.J. Abrams came out, I was like, he changed it to their aliens. And immediately, fandom of turtles. Not my Ninja Turtles. And fuck Sorry, I didn't mean to make you spit your beer. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, shut the fuck up, man. Who gives a shit if it's ooze in a sewer or if you're aliens? It's fucking turtles. Anyway, sorry. Random. Are you done? I am. I am. Return that soapbox to call. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, seriously, God. you got to pay to rent that thing. Jeez. Damn. You're toxic about toxic fame. You know what, Gary? <laughs> fuck you, America. Uh, oh man, the Ninja Turtles in the '90s was great. I enjoyed the crap out of it. I made all my kids watch it. They enjoyed it. If you haven't it. seen it, they went on Oprah. To, oh yes, to do a tour, and everybody needs to stop this. Go watch the interview uh, where the Turtles in April went on Oprah. It is so cringeworthy and creepy. <laughs> oh my god! And you know, at that moment, Oprah has been like, what "I want to bullet. What the fuck, fuck am I doing? I sign up for." <laughs> Anyway, Paul. I was about to make a horrible joke, but we'll move on. So, anyways, what what brought this about is uh, Logan director James Mangold kind of tweeted about toxic fandom and the backlash and how it's impacting you know the industry. Right. And his his exact quote is: "At the point when work writing and directing big franchises become the emotionally loaded equivalent of writing a new chapter of the Bible with the probable danger of being stoned and called a blasphemer, then a lot of bolder minds are going to leave these films to hacks and corporate boards. And he's not wrong. So, so what he's saying to, to unpack that a little bit is the, the, the fandom's reaction to every attempt to do anything creative or interesting or outside of the expected box with these big franchises is met with such huge backlash. You're going to push those creatives out and they're not going to want to do these things. And that I agree with Mangold here. I think that's a terrible, terrible idea. You know what I mean? Like 
Oh yeah. Because some of, some of the best things in fandom in the culture that have happened have happened when somebody crossed over from either a different discipline or from a different, you know, general idea of what they normally do. Take for example, you know, I know Phil, you're not a fan of Star Trek, but Charles and I are Star Trek mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. Picard, you know, the, the actor, Patrick Stewart, he had a theater background. He did not want to do, he did not want to do, you know, a cheesy weekly television show. And he pushed back a lot in the early seasons about like falling into a lot of the traps that a, that a bad TV show could fall into. And I really think that his theater background and his dedication to the craft helped elevate that, that whole show. And as time went on, he he kind of loosened up as time went on, you know what I mean? And he he's started to play around a little bit more with his, his cast and things became a little more organic. And what we ended up with is the Patrick Stewart of today that went on to be an X-Men. And, you know, whether the X-Men films hold up, because I know Chris Wisdom... They're wonderful. He's a dick. <laughs> you know, Wisdom is quick to, to bring up the fact that they're a little hokey and they don't really hold up. He's hokey and he does not hold up. <laughs> right. But Patrick Stewart as... Charles Xavier is not the problem, right? I mean, he's great. And that was proven in Logan, which this all kind of ties back. Yeah, you like this? How it all circles back to Logan. Um, You have to have an environment where people, creatives, can come in and do what they do best. And if you stifle that, you're just not going to get these people coming to the table anymore, and you're going to fall into that Transformers trap. And I know you love Transformers, Charles, but... Only for because it's goddamn big robots doing blow-up right. shit on the screen. I'm but not that, saying it's epic or anything. That franchise has fizzled out in a big way because it didn't do anything to grow. That's you fair. Know? That's fair. As, as each one has come out, it's just been more of the same cookie cutter. Yeah. And, you know, so they didn't... And they've had opportunities to try to try new things and, and really push the boundaries out, and they just didn't. You know what I mean? So I, I, I really agree with what Mangold's saying here, like... And and the fandom in general, like uh, you know, we you were talking about the Lando thing. So yeah. Billy D's going to come back for episode nine, and, and I saw the same comments. Like I saw in some of the toy collecting groups that I'm in on Facebook, because you know they they talk about Marvel Legends and they talk about like some of the other stuff, but they talk about Black Series too for Star Wars, and they're like, oh well. Like you said, people are like, oh, they're going to bring them back and kill them off, or who cares. Or, you know, like, they need to just stop making these movies. And it's like, hold up. Like, well, you keep up with that shit, they will. Why? Like, why, why, do, why do we not get to have new media in a franchise that you like just because you don't like that particular thing? Yeah. Like, I'm all for expressing, your, like, like, DC. Last week we talked about DC at length. I like the franchise. I don't like the product. You know what I mean? The, the product that has come out, I have issues with. But I'm never going to shit all over everybody's involved. You know, I mean, Snyder gets a tremendous amount of my poop, but that's... And we've, like- we've talked about this before, but you're shitting on a thing that's in pre-pre-pre-production. Yep. Right. You're not even giving it a chance to form and develop and even, you know come out with a teaser trailer before you're already burying it six feet under well by extension of that in the case of solo people judge that film before it even came out oh yeah 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 completely like that's a huge part of why it didn't do as well as expected 
people just, uh, you know, no, it's garbage. And I'm, I was guilty of being really worried about the main, you know, the lead, the lead actor. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And he blew me away because he's not Harrison Ford. I've said that a couple of times. He's not, but he wasn't bad. But, in the, and we talked about this in the second half of the film, he, we didn't need him to feel like Harrison Ford, right? We needed him to feel like Han Solo. Right. And he felt like the more of the Han Solo we know, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I, he, grew, I think, he definitely grows into it throughout. So the I had the same concerns. I saw him. I was like, mm. and then you know, I was like, I'm gonna go see it anyway. And yeah, the first half generic sci-fi adventure hour, and then the second half, oh, there's Han Solo, and it feels right. You know, mm-hmm. and again, you don't need him to be Harrison Ford. You just need him to be Han Solo, right? And and let me ask this question since we're talking about it. There's so many reboots and remakes and to the point that people even realize uh, uh actually i got this from geek versus we met we mock them all the time because they hate everything and they do they're like yeah no we we that's fair we hate everything uh but they were talking about uh, uh purging the geek world and of course uh, different things came up but betty was talking about how things are reboots or reboot and casey jumps in and goes how dare you defile my awesome original Godzilla with Matthew Broderick? Don't you dare talk to me, you know, as a joke, right? And, like, and that's, but that's the truth. In these groups that you're in, I bet you go, okay, tell me your favorite movie. And nine times out of ten, those same people will probably name something that they think is original. That is a remake or a reboot. The Life Aquatic mm-hmm. with Steve Zizou. Okay, that's, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Phil. Yeah, I mean that's just a playoff. That's really just Jacques you know, Cousteau, yeah. Beatles, bitch. Yeah. Well, it, it, the other thing is that is true, but the other thing is also the nostalgia glasses thing, right? Like Star Wars is a perfect example of this. People put the original trilogy up on a fucking pedestal, and they're like, "Oh, these new films—they don't capture any of that magic." And it's like, I agree with you to an extent. I get that, but those movies weren't great when they first you know like when they came out there were people who thought they were bad but they won you know the popular opinion over and it it became this thing that we've collectively built up in our minds to be bigger than it actually is if you sit down and go shot by shot frame by frame through the original star wars trilogy it's objectively full of issues wooden acting bad scenes bad pacing at certain points but what we were what we were swooned over is the the setting and the yeah. overall vibe. We were the romance of it. You know what I mean? Because that's, I mean, that's the other thing is it's space opera. It's, and, you know, the, and the newness of it all. Right. I mean, seriously, you're not going to forget your first. And, and my kids, my son, Oakland was blown. Cause he got his mom, let him watch it before I could tell her no, but he was blown by, by blown away by the prequel. She just, uh-huh. watched, she just watched them in order to star Wars. You know, I'm like, no, you do not fucking watch Star Wars in order. Don't, what's <laughs> but he's like, oh, these are because that was his first, and it is yeah. world. He, no matter what you want to say about the prequels, I thought they were pretty shit. But they they still had that world building feel to it. They had that that. If that's your fuck. introduction, it's going to shape your exactly your whole. So all of us that grew up having the first three or four, five, and six of Star Wars being our first, well, the prequels didn't compare at all to that. And then right. now you've got as a, as older adults, you've got the the eight nine eight seven eight nine, and you're right. There's nostalgia glasses. If you could time travel and sit down with your younger self, you'd be like, "God, you're stupid. What what are you watching?" <laughs> you know, it, it, Phil, what do you think? Oh, 
it's I mean, I'm I'm an original series person and I think I was in the right age when the prequels came out. I mean, I saw it at midnight mm-hmm. in the theaters and at that time I loved it. But now it's, you know, as I've gotten older and I've gotten farther away from it and I, I've seen them, you know, again since that, I can, you know, realize that they are not what I wanted, but I don't know, man, just. Well, and, and then we don't need to back off too and go. Oh, no, no, just people. Yeah. If you love the prequels, yeah. Phil, you love fucking love the prequels. Who am I to shit on that? You shut your whore mouth. Okay. I did not say that. <laughs> I said when I was in 99, whatever, you know, eighth grade, I enjoyed them back then. But looking back, no, they're pretty bad. But I don't know, oh, man. Yeah. People, people are just. My, uh, yeah, let's, let's walk that back a little bit. When, when I first saw those films in the theaters, I walked out of each one of those being like, that was Star Wars. It was great. And then. I realized when I didn't want to go watch it again over the following months and years, then maybe it wasn't so great. You know what I mean? And it, it took me a long time to really, it wasn't until the mid two thousands that I like well at late two thousands, actually, I should say well after episode three, where I really kind of came around to the idea of like, yeah, you know, these are pretty rough. And I started to, you know, have the introspection to identify why I didn't like them. That doesn't mean that those films are devoid of any value. Right. I was entertained by them, even if I was frustrated with a lot of the choices. And there are moments that are great. You know what I mean? Like Duel of the Fates, even though the, the fighting itself is it's pretty rough. Casey ruined that for me, by the way. He's like, go watch this clip on YouTube. And I was like, oh my God, those fights are so bad. <laughs> but the vibe, now that's another perfect example of being won by the, the, the romance of the moment, you know, the spirit of the moment. And like, when you watch it the first time, you're like, this is intense. This is great. And I still, one of my favorite scenes from Phantom Menace is when Darth Maul is pacing back and forth with the laser yes. up in front of him and like just that caged animal vibe. I was like, damn, this is something that the original trilogy never captured. This right. is, a, you know, this is a Sith Lord at the height of his power, just seething with rage and hatred. And I loved it. That was great. And you know what I mean? It, and we kind of lost that through the rest of it until, you know, three, when, when baby rage, you know, whatever. But, you know, the point is, like, there are, there are moments of greatness in there still. And it's not like the people involved are bad, you know. Well, Aiden, Hayden in this. He's not bad, though. He was good in other stuff. He was good in Jumper. Or not Jumper. Uh, yeah, I, say, I, I like There's, Jumper, but I didn't think he was good in it. Wait, is Jumper the one? Jumper is the Nightcrawler-esque movie. Right. I, I, I'm confusing it with the... Um, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis one. Oh yeah, time, time loop, time something. Well, Looper, yeah, okay. Looper. Looper, yeah. That's don't put out movies that close to each other with like <laughs> this, a similar naming convention. Um, yeah, Jumper wasn't terrible, but he's effectively dead. Like in the industry, he all but retired, as far as I know. I don't know what he's doing these days, but you know, he, he got. He came out at Star Wars Celebration two years ago in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, to heavy applause, and it it kind of felt like uh, um, because I was watching it live on on whatever streaming service was showing it on the internet at that moment, but it it felt like a a welcoming back from the fans, like, hey, we know you did your best, 
Mm-hmm. But also, we're getting to the point now with Star Wars where it's like, how did you like that movie? I hated it. It was dog shit. Okay, great. Fight. We got to fight now. How did you like the movie before it? Dog shit. Okay, great. <laughs> when was the last Star Wars movie you liked? Return of the Jedi. That was 35 fucking years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so, so let me get this straight. You haven't enjoyed anything that Star Wars has produced for 35 years. Nope. Star Wars is not for you anymore. Right. <laughs> yes. Because, because you were 13-year-old when, when Return of the Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you, it, it, it is time for you to move on. Yeah. It's time for you to put your fucking business socks on, go to work, and leave Star Wars behind you because you are no longer a and, fan of the series. And why do you keep coming back to the well yeah. if they've been disappointing you for 35 fucking years? And not even, not even that. Like, it's okay if you want to keep coming back to the well because you want to keep giving them a chance, right? But sure. why are you so fucking vocal about it? Now, I know yeah. that... Nobody I know so ask your opinion, Sharon. So somebody might be sitting at home and being like, but you motherfuckers are vocal about this shit every week. And I'm like, That's yeah, it's our job. That's kind of what we do. But like, we're fair. I mean, I really do think like, especially on this show, we're fair. And it's when we've done our movie panels, like we talked about justice league, I gave it probably a higher score than it deserved because I saw the improvement and the potential that was there. And I appreciated parts of it so much that I, I really didn't want to just bag on it. You know what I mean? I wanted to, it was like the, the kid that never gets picked in the first three or four at kickball, you know, but he, he kicks a home run. It's like, Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Good job. Except it wasn't a home run. It was just a double, but like it it wasn't a, you know, he didn't strike out. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a complete failure. It just wasn't as great as it could be. Yeah, buddy. You sucked less than usual. (laughs) I think if people were more, you know, more precise in their feedback and less emotional with it, like that's the other thing is like distance yourself a little bit from what you're like, take a step back and look at what you just put on the internet or, you know, wherever Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, you name it. What did you just post? Like you just posted this ranty diatribe about like, like you're coming from a place of insanity. And you're driving people out of the fandom. Star Wars is super relevant for this, and it's really why we keep banging on it here. It's because we've seen all these news reports in the last couple of weeks of all of these people involved with fran- with the franchise over the years that have, like, the guy who played Jar Jar almost committed suicide. Why the fuck do we live in a fandom where that is the yeah. case? I like I mean, Jar Jar, to be honest with you. I thought it was Get hilarious. the fuck off of this show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I didn't think it belonged in Star Wars, but you well, know, I, I was yeah. like, why are you going to be making him memes? And- Maybe in your garden, you know, doing some <laughs> planting or whatnot. I don't, wow! I don't know where you would have him, Charles. <sighs> but, you know, I mean, you know, he, he almost took his life. I'm just going to keep moving. While yeah, you guys keep moving forward. You need to. He almost took his life because of the feedback from the prequels. You know, That's we, fucked up, man. We've got actresses that are in the current trilogy that are shutting down their social media accounts because they're just getting bombarded with hate. Who the fuck are you to say what you say to these women, to, to people in general? It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if they're white, black, whatever. Who are you to sit yeah. there and just spout hatred at someone whose job is to entertain you and if they fail on that realize that it's not entirely on them either you know what i mean like 
Hayden Christensen is a perfect example. He had to read the lines that were written for him, right? Mm-hmm. That sand speech gets brought up all the time. I'm one who quotes it all. Oh, I hate sand. It's Corsic. It's everywhere. I probably botched that a little bit, but that Chris is loves a- it though. Chris really loves sand. but you know that scene is a perfect example of where the writing fell flat and it's like you've got two talented actors in that scene i mean come on like they're not garbage they're not like you know community theater level right not that community theater level people are garbage but i'm saying like these are talented qualified people so what was the problem the problem is the director Right. director and the writing george lucas, you know well and but that's another thing george lucas sold off the franchise because nobody wanted anything from george anymore which is kind of fair because honestly you know that there's Chris, plenty of legit stories that he went a little nuts oh absolutely i'm always so. the one who says watch the special features on the prequel and yeah. pay attention watch everybody else in the room when somebody's giving him feedback and you'll see you'll see i'm telling you it, it emperor yeah new clothes totally going on there like he's just not listening to anybody you know what i mean it's all about he's locked into his vision and he's not taking the feedback so the question i was getting to that distracted myself on which plays right into this how long do you wait to do a reboot where you hope that the nostalgia fucks don't burn you to the ground i don't know if there's I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know that man. it's ever safe to do a reboot. It, it really, he's not wrong because, you know, there have been talks about rebooting The Wizard of Oz and people are pissed about that. Yeah, and, that's and, hard. That's a hard one. It is, but, you know, I don't think... No we have an icon, right? And I don't think Star Wars is an icon. Star Wars just started a whole new era. I mean, you, you're right, Paul. There's some issues, blah, blah, blah. But I think we have an icon like Wizard of Oz you just have to pay tribute to that with your reboot type of thing. And there's been some great adaptations. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like The Wiz, for example, right? We, we, Charles we, hasn't seen it. We, uh, <laughs> personally. Well, no, but you, you, you take that classic story and you put a cultural spin on it, and it's interesting. That Also, uh, uh, Zoe Deschanel had the one, didn't she? Yeah, she, yep. she did that sci-fi BBC special. Show. Right, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, people, yeah. people have tackled it. And done it in a different way. But, you know, a good example of this is Willy Wonka. Mm. So, you know, you, you look at the Burton Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp, and people kind of really bag on that. Like, Burton and Depp's popularity was not enough to save that. Now, I get why people don't like it, because it has a completely different vibe and tone from the Gene Wilder classic. Right. But here's here's something interesting along those lines, right? The the well, it's now the estate of the author of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or whatever the actual book was called. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie, Charlie. okay, thank you. Roll Doll. Uh, Roll Doll. Yeah, hated the first adaptation. Hated yeah. it because there's two children, there's two friends. That's not what he wrote, and because it was Depp, a huge departure from the source. Yeah, exactly. And Depp and uh, Burton had to go to the estate, which was Doll's daughter, maybe wife. wife. I can't remember. Wife. Uh, wife. Thank you. And, and convince her how passionate they were about the book. And so what they made was true to the source material, which right. is why I actually loved that film because of the story behind. Yeah. It. And people hate that. <laughs> That's yeah. the funny part. It's, it's like, so you're mad that this second film adaptation of a book is more true to the book than the first one was because you're fully invested in that tone of the first one. 
which was let's be honest you know uh uh because not race initiated really, but it's a whitewashing of the tail. They took something, took out one or two little parts that they really liked, and made it this clean, wholesome family bullshit. I mean, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. As a kid, I watched the Gene Wilder one. It's, it's still a great home. film, and yeah. it, it, it's an excellent film to show kids because it teaches good moral lessons, right? You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, because it, yeah. it, it, it it highlights some things about character. You know what I mean? It's important. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not room for another approach to it, right? Exactly. And and a more honest approach. I mean, that's the thing is it's like, and I'm sure somebody out there is probably thinking like they've heard me rant about the Hobbit adaptation and how I've bagged on that, even though I love Lord of the Rings. That's a situation that's a little bit different um, because that we saw how good th- that could be done with the Lord of the Rings adaptations, how faithful. And then the Hobbit one was just like, Whew, we just got to pump these out really quick to get you dollars. And we had to stretch it out in three films. When well, that Yeah, that was, yeah. And so that, that was a whole mess. And now we know more about the backstory on that because it was a rushed production. And I mean, they were really, yeah. they were literally like, Jackson was like, I don't know that we're going to be able to shoot this scene in a week that we're supposed to shoot in a week because we don't have all the pieces in place. You know, it was, it was crazy. But my point there is like, Sometimes you're going to come up short and it's fine to criticize something that doesn't mean it's not devoid of any value at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. And so this kind of ties into our next thing is you were, you were getting there. Um, Phil, do you want to talk about this? Cause it's, I mean, I don't know much about it other than what the headline tells me is that RoboCop sequel is in the works and the director who did Chappie district nine and Elysium. Elysium is going to undertake the, the the project and try to bring some some new life into RoboCop. Now, I have seen and cherish the first three, and I'm a big Peter Weller mm-hmm. fan, so um, so much of a fan that I didn't even bother seeing the newest one. Um, it was fun. I, I mean, I'm sure it was, and let's be honest, RoboCop 3 is not that great, but Okay, if you're being honest, number that great. They were number one is wonderful. What number well, one is? Come on, number one is wonderful. Maybe you're right. I haven't seen it in a while. Peter Weller gets right. you know turned into Swiss cheese. <laughs> but yeah. we wouldn't, you know. That's another example of it, it's age shows. You know, when you watch it, you're like, "Whoo, boy!" Sure. You know what I mean? Like we. That's the other thing that gets me is like we've come so far in filmmaking, like the techniques, the technology, everything, acting. When you look at people who acted in the 80s and 90s and compare it to how, you know, people act today. Right. Your, your B-list stars, C-list stars are punching way above their weight class compared to, you know, people from the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. As far as just being believable and evoking the emotion, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean there's not great performances from back then, but it, it's like people were pretty, I like to use the phrase wooden, you know? They were just like... It was like watching a play on the big screen a lot of times. You know, it was just really obviously a production and not, it didn't feel real a lot of times, you know? Yeah. But going back to how much time is enough time, I feel like recently we've been getting more of these 80s remakes. Oh, absolutely. Than oh, any, than any other decade. So yeah. I guess if it was, you know, cheesy and kind of offbeat from the center 
during the 80s, it, it has been enough time for that because it's fallen to the wayside, maybe. Well, the, yeah, Paul. Oh, I was going to say, I, I really feel like the reason all this stuff from our childhood is getting rebooted is because we're the target audience. Well, and we that, and yeah. we're the ones that are doing it. You know, people ranging from like their early 30s to their mid 40s, like that giant swath of about 15 years or so, all of that stuff that keeps getting rebooted is from, you know, that chunk of time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because they were huge cultural things, they're a part of our childhood. And I think like anybody who has a firm grasp on like where we were at then compared to now, part of your mind is like, could you imagine doing this cool shit now with the, like I said, the technology and the techniques and everything that we have now, how cool would it be to see RoboCop done in a, you know, an actual modern way that looks like the robots look legit and all that stuff. You know, there's some charm to the old way, you know what I mean? The old stop motion and stuff like that, that was used and, you know, physical props and all that kind of stuff. There's charm to it, but it's like, it's not nearly as immersive as like seeing an actual CGI robot do stuff and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. But we're, we're definitely the target audience because we, we've got, we are the biggest, you know, this gener this multi-generational cohort slice here. We have the disposable income. We're the people who consume this stuff the most, you know what I mean? It's and buy the merchandise and all the, you know what I mean? That's the other thing is like, take our kids and build that next generation of right. Take your kids. I mean, you know, some of these, like RoboCop, you're not going to take your kids to necessarily, but Star Wars, you absolutely are, you know, anything like that. So you guys won't give me Chris Pratt for Nan Jones because you say, oh, he's too old. (laughs) So I got this crazy idea. You're talking about cheesy and off center. I want to see Chris Pratt as Magnum P.I. Come on. Magnum P.I. Chris Pratt. Isn't he perfect? If we never remake Magnum P.I., it'll be Oh, come on, man. Go to your childhood. Not not the part where you had the bad touch, but before that, where you saw Magnum oh, in the Jesus. porn stash. And, uh. No, I, Magnum P.I. was fun. <laughs> but I, they did the Hawaii Five-O show, and I don't know the – like, it gets watched because it's still on, I believe. But like, yeah, it's still on. It's Magnum not the, P.I. has already been rebooted this year. Really? Oh, has it? What? <laughs> Yes. Wow. Who's doing it? Who's doing it? Well, he's not going to do a TV show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's My on. My parts uh, are wreck. Why would he say? Well, well I mean, now he's a movie star <laughs> now. You know, and and it's on CBS, so n- nobody's watching it. Oh well, yeah, old people are watching. Yeah. It. Who forgot what Tom Suck? Man, this Tom Suck sure looks young for his age. <laughs> Tom Selleck looks yeah. great these days. Um, oh, I just love that mustache. <laughs> and you know, talking about. Uh, reboots and circling around sometimes you just have to accept the property is what it is uh um total recall keeps coming to mind for me i loved the arnold schwarzenegger one because i was i don't remember what year it came out but i was young i was too young to see it and i, I snuck and and saw the vhs copy of it anyway and loved it loved it and then when they said they're gonna make another one i was like all right we'll see and colin farrell huge colin farrell fan and they had him be that character and they totally took it in a much darker more realistic manner than the cheesy fun um arnold i can't do arnold at all no, that was great that was great you did so, you did a good job charles give uh, these people air. There, yeah there you go much better than i could do dude uh, i i love arnold flicks yeah. like unabashedly it's fun. it is so, fun it's dumb but, ju- those, but those movies 
totally two separate films. 1,000% two separate films. You can love them both for what they are. Mm-hmm. Total well, you know, Recall came out in 1990, Charles. Yeah. You were only 40 then. I mean, you were <laughs> I Come on. Everybody knows why Total Recall is good, and it's because of the triple titties, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, that was the first movie I remember seeing that the twist got me, where the boss was the, the alien in the summit. I was like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, well, spoiler alert. Well, Girl. okay, so, so in the vein of, like, Arnold, that reminds me of another franchise that tried to get rebooted a few years ago that didn't work out, and that was Conan. You know, oh, they, yeah. and, and they did it with somebody who's great. Jason Momoa. Yeah, because Momoa was Conan. But the problem is, like, I enjoyed that film. I did, too. For entertainment. You know, like, it's a beer and popcorn flick. But it didn't have the charm because, well, part of that is because the the original two Conan movies were made, like, at a, it was just like that lightning in a bottle thing. Like, they made it at just the right time and it had just the right mix and the right vibe. And it's a little, it's it's goofy and weird and not, it's not perfect. It's a cult classic. It's right. It is the, the definition of a cult classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the new one just didn't have, it was entertaining, but there was nothing to just grab you. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, speaking of RoboCop again, though, I saw the newer RoboCop reboot, okay. uh, which notably the main actor in that is the main actor from Altered Carbon. And who was also in Suicide Squad? Oh, yeah, as Rick Flag. Yeah, I like that. Now, here's a good. Here's the thing. I enjoyed the RoboCop film, but I understand why it didn't do very well because it, again, didn't have anything to catch people. It didn't build a world that people wanted to be tapped into. You know what I mean? It was just a kind of beat for beat reproduction of the original plot with yeah. new tech. It was cool to see, but it wasn't anything that was going to keep get your hooks in. You know what I mean? Right. Um, he's not a bad actor. He was fucking amazing actor. on Altered Carbon. Like, he was so good on Altered Carbon. And he was terrible in Suicide Squad because <laughs> of the writing. This is Katana. If her sword cuts you, it's going to take your soul. Like, it's even worse than that. The, the dialogue is so terrible. Um, that's, again, another example of, like, this is somebody who's talented who can, if they're given the right script and they're given the right direction and everything, all the stars align, they can put an incredible product, which is what Altered Carbon Carbon absolutely was. But you put them in the wrong movie like Suicide Squad, it's not great. You put them in a lackluster film and it just doesn't resonate. You know what I mean? Like the RoboCop movie. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that these things have no merit and that they're not passable. It's just that they're not grabbing people. You know what I mean? And you need to do something that grabs people. Well, that's why I think signing on the the District Nine director is is going to bring some grabability to this movie. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's had a way to create these strange worlds and then tell a story inside of them. I mean, yeah. who directed the last RoboCop movie? I don't even remember. I, I, I'll look it up. No, you don't have to. It's a nobody. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it the it was a strange pick. You know, this this. This dude from Brazil who has no American credits is handed a RoboCop movie, which mm-hmm. I just find strange where you have this opportunity, like you said, Paul, to, to play in this, 
you know, Philip K. Dick-esque kind of world, and we have the technology now to do it. So it, it was a strange pick as a director, but I'm excited. You know, I really enjoyed District 9. Um, I didn't see Chappie or the other one that I can't even remember the name to, but I don't know. I could, you know, they could get full ticket price on me for this. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. Yeah, you'll see. And, and, and that's the thing. When you hear that kind of director, you hear heart, you hear story, you hear layers to what's going on because uh, uh, District 9, uh, we were talking about a little bit before, I went in knowing it was about apartheid and knowing it was a modern telling of it and knowing there's aliens and robots, which you know I'm a, a freak for. Uh, so I, I wanted to hear the layers. I wanted to see the layers. I thoroughly enjoyed the film. And I mean, the ending was a little, mm, whatever, but uh, I still enjoyed the storytelling, right? Uh, so when I hear that he's going to do something like that, that gives me hope for the RoboCop because I'll see it because nostalgia, right? But that was my complaint, what you're talking about, Phil. Or, I mean, sorry, what you're talking about, uh, Klaus. My complaint was the same as yours for first the, the reboot of RoboCop was – you did it beat for beat, but why? In the 80s, there was no story. In the 80s, there were hardly, there were, I'm making up a number. There's like five movies a year. So you throw some shit on the screen, people are going to watch it. And oh, if it's halfway yeah. good, oh my God, the best. If you really go back and look at Robocop, bullets and boobs. That's what, and robots. You know, yeah, I mean, that's what, what it is. You cannot do that today. The audience doesn't yeah. fucking want it. Well, there was, there was no competition comparatively. Yeah. In the, in the 90s. You didn't have television that was pushing the boundaries of narrative fiction. You know, like the, the TV shows of today, you know, actually this pertains to a conversation I saw come up in the Star Trek subreddit. There, somebody was talking about their analysis of the new Star Trek films and why people don't like them. And it, I kind of had an epiphany in the middle of it. And I was like, you know, the thing is when you look at Star Trek as a series, there are bad episodes, you know, like there are episodes because they basically the big complaint is that it doesn't capture the, the wonder and the, the exploration vibe and all of that that's in the show. It's just, oh, here's a villain. We're going to deal with the villain. You know what I mean? Classic movie formula. And, yeah. and it's like they do that in the show. There are episodes and story arcs that have a villain, a, a definitive focal point they deal with that issue you know they build up to it they deal with it and then they move on and then there's a whole bunch of episodes that deal with the the mysteries of the universe and wonder and all that stuff too and and humanity and it's great people seem to forget that you cannot accomplish what is accomplished in a show like that in a 90 minute to two and a half three hour movie yeah it's just not possible like you have to have a definitive you know, pacing to the story, you have to have a focal point. You've got to get there. Cause if you don't, people walk out of it and they're like, what the fuck was, you know what I mean? Like they complain heavily and then nobody goes to see it. You, people have to stop expecting a film to accomplish what a show can do in several episodes. You know what I mean? That's another thing. I think people really need to be cognizant of that. Cause it's a big thing. It's the elephant in the room, I think, really, which means that maybe the future of stronger narrative fiction is in TV. We've talked about this a lot, and I've been saying yeah. it for a while. When you look at something like Game of Thrones or even the, the, the Marvel Netflix stuff, compare what can be done in a season of a Marvel Netflix show compared to the average MCU film. Look at how much more they can do with the characters, how, how they can dig into the nooks and crannies. They, they don't have carte blanche. They can't just do everything that's ever been put on the page, but they can really get deeper in those shows. Albeit 
we, as we've given feedback before, sometimes they have a few too many episodes and they spend a little bit too much time in the weeds. You know what I mean? But the point is they have the opportunity to fully flesh out the characters, build relationships, build a central narrative, confront multiple issues, get there. And at the end, you know, you're, you're at a hangoff point for whatever's going to come forward. You don't have the luxury of doing that in a film, in a feature film. And I think people need to be aware of that. It's got to be a self-contained story. It's also got to be something for the most part that somebody can sit down and watch and get pretty much the whole thing from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's the key. And we're going to move on to some other stuff here, but that's, I think that's the point to leave it is, is somebody's got to have a jumping on point. And if all we ever do want to do is build our own little clubhouse and say, no, this is ours and we got to keep it this way. The world's going to move on without you. And I saw another quote related to that article, article Mangold, I believe it said, so you read the direct quote, but I think I saw a summary that said, if you keep railing on these movies, if you keep instantly hating them before you even see them, talent's just going to walk away and then you'll have nothing. And what you don't realize is nothing is, is nothing. Once you ruin the franchise, let's say stay Star Wars, no toys, no animations on Cartoon Network, no games, no Mm -hmm. books, no comic books, nothing. They will bury it because you buried it. And is that really what the world you want to live in? You let people have what they want and, and enjoy it for what it is and, and don't watch it. You don't like it, don't watch it, you know? Move on. To, to expand on that a little bit with Star Wars as an example, just remember the chief complaints that people had for the prequels and then compare it to the complaints that people have for The Force Awakens and then Last Jedi and just – that's a spectrum, right? Yeah. People complain that the prequels were a little too simplistic, that the writing wasn't very good, blah, blah, blah. Story beats were very predictable. They complain that TFA was a complete reproduction of A New Hope for the most part. Um, And then with The Last Jedi, Johnson really went out in a left field and tried something really interesting and different. Even if you don't like where that went with your beloved characters, you have to admit from an objective standpoint that there was a lot more creativity in there than the average cookie cutter, like, let's just reproduce the magic again. No. (laughs) but the point the point is maybe the sweet spot is somewhere in between but if you just shit all over them every time they try to do something like what johnson tried to do with last jedi you're going to get the other stuff that you already hate they ruined my child it's a relationship if you want more you have to be able to be willing to grow and move Mm -hmm. and compromise and hopefully the directors and movie studios will grow and move and compromise as well you know, yep. uh, but along with these reboots, I watch some classic TV. I love because of Tony P Henderson. I'm actually, my wife and I are going through all the seasons of golden girls, which I I'd watched on and off as a, a kid. Uh, but this first I've seen a lot of it and they, there's shit on there that would not fly today. I mean, racial jokes, stereotypes mm-hmm. of that time that, that play into different things. And we're like, they, that would never, I mean, as is, that would never make it on TV today. You know, uh, they they could make a version that would work, but but it is a it's a time uh, a moment in time, and it's funny. I mean, it's funny in the sense like, oh shit, they said that about that racial group. That's that's not cool. We learned that growing up. Um, but BBC head of comedy says Monty Python would never hit the small screens these days. And of course, Monty Python, the Pythons had uh, some shit to say about that, didn't they, Paul? Well, yeah. So basically. Uh, what the what the BBC had a comedy said was um, 
you wouldn't assemble six blokes from Oxbridge and make a comedy troupe anymore. It, what he's basically saying is that the, uh, the middle class white experiences is, is done. Like it's played out. Nobody cares anymore. And I, I thought I brought this to the table because I thought it was a really interesting thing. Um, and then he emphasized that, you know, what they look for now in programming is more diversity to tell, you know, more stories and diversity that represents the modern, um, uh, you know, the, the modern, the, yeah, well, the, just the modern culture, you know, like right, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the culture of the, of you, of the UK of today, of the United States of today, of many nations of today is much more culturally and ethnically diverse than it was. 40 years ago i think we can all acknowledge that right yeah the, yeah. the, the, the spread of people who've gone everywhere and it and i think all of us here embrace that and say that's great it's awesome to have you know that that quote-unquote melting pot aspect of our modern society where you have all these cultures coming together and these different stories and different perspectives um I did think it was kind of interesting the the way he phrased this because he basically is shitting all over monty python in that regard yeah and um my f- my favorite response was John Cleese. John Cleese responded, "Is like uh, BBC's head of comedy puts Monty Python's lack of or- lack of originality down to a uh, a surfeit of education and racist bias. Unfair. We were remarkably diverse for our time. We had three grammar school boys, one a poof, and Gilliam, though not actually black, was a Yank and no slave owner. <laughs> <laughs> to unpack that a little bit." Yeah, he's pointing out something at the time when Monty Python got started, they were pretty diverse for the time, especially in the UK. They had an American cast member. They had a gay man, you know, and it's, and they, they were really progressive for the time. They tackled issues and, and ways of doing comedy that just wasn't being done very much by anybody else. You know what I mean? So it's easy for somebody to sit here today and look back and be like, oh, look, it's, you know, six white guys. But, like, the, the, the landscape was so different then yeah. that, that they were really out there at the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, and it's funny that the, the BBC head of comedy here says that they wouldn't get put on air today. But it's like they almost didn't get put on the air back then. Sure. You know, their whole story was that it was initially the show was launched as a, well, let's see how it goes. You know what I mean? Like there was no guarantee that it was going to be successful. There was no guarantee they were going to get more than a few episodes. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I think that today it's easy for people to lose, lose perspective of how different things were then. You know what I mean? And something that was relatively progressive 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, just seems really mundane now, but it, it was a different time, you know? Yeah. But where, where did this quote come from? His what, mouth? What, was it, was it a, an interview he was doing? Was it him going off on Twitter? Was it? I believe it was an interview. I think they, basically they're just talking about programming and what they look for. Um, okay. It just seemed, it's, uh, <laughs> so part of why I wanted to bring it up though is like, I think we as a society, we need to stop vilifying the old way. We can change, and you can be an advocate for change. I'm, I strongly believe in being an advocate for change. But I don't think that it's okay to vilify the past for something that's not really a villainous thing. You know, sure. th- those guys making that show back in the 60s and 70s, 
is not, you know, it wasn't some duplicitous thing to bring down, you know, people of color or women or any, you know what I mean? They, right. As a matter of fact, that's the other thing. They did so much fucking cross-dressing on that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, and it's a thing that we're used to now. Sketch comedy has come so far nowadays that we're used to that. You know, we're used to seeing people cross-dress in either direction for, for a gag and we're, it's fine. But back then that was pretty progressive. You know what I mean? Uh, and they did a lot with almost nothing. You know what I mean? They did, they had a very tight cast. They had the six of them and a couple of support people, but they didn't have, you know, a lot at their, at their disposal. But um, yeah, basically like, I, I think it's kind of erroneous to just like kind of shit on the past like that. And I, we get it. You're not going to look for the same things in modern programming. That's yeah, obvious. But why are you like taking a pot shot at, at these legends that really forged the way? Yeah. Living legends that, for, well, some of them, well, um, yeah. that uh, forged the path for so much other progress in, in comedy in particular. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, I mean, to me, like, to, 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 to give it from a different perspective, to me, this would be the equivalent of like somebody, somebody who was like a Black Lives Matter supporter who like shat on Harriet Tubman and said, well, she didn't do enough or, you know what I mean? Or like, whatever. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it, you know what I mean? And that's, that's a really extreme example. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But why, like, why, you know, why are you piling onto the past that, that forged the, you know what I mean? There are times in the past when people have done everything they could within the confines of the system at that time to push the boundaries and to create space and opportunity. We should celebrate that, not vilify it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other funny response was from um, Terry Gilliam. Oh, he pumped his troll factor to 11 uh, when he lampooned the politi- politically correct backlash by declaring himself a black lesbian. <laughs> the, the quote goes, it made me cry. The idea that no longer six white Oxbridge, Oxbridge men can make a comedy show, says Gillian. Now we need one of this, one of that, everybody represented. This is bullshit. I no longer want to be a white male. I don't want to be blamed for everything wrong in the world. I tell the world now I'm a black lesbian. My name is Loretta, and I'm a PLT, a black lesbian in transition. Nice. He goes on to say, Alan's statement made me so angry, all of us so angry. Comedy is not assembled. It's not like putting together a boy band where you can put together one of this, one of that, and everyone is represented. Um, now, obviously, he's being very flippant there, and I'm yeah. sure some people are super pissed that he said it the way he said it. Oh, he gives no fucks. Oh, yeah, no, no these guys, these guys all. give zero fucks. Yeah, um, yeah I, I just agree with that sentiment. Like, I, I you know, I've often spoken out against. Uh, I don't like the diversity quota concept. You know what I mean? Like where you have to check all these boxes when you're doing something. I yeah. think opportunities need to be there. You know, if, if somebody's doing, and I'm going to talk about this later when we talk about what we've been watching or whatever. Um, I've been watching glow. It would, you know, the it's on Netflix. Uh, it's about women wrestling. I love it. It's, I hate wrestling by the way. Like I've never been oh. interested in pro wrestling since I was going to say you hate women. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, that's the meme, isn't it? <laughs> um, but what's great about that show is there's a lot of diversity in the cast. There's a lot of interesting storytelling and it's great that we have opportunities for that now. 
And we should celebrate that. And we should look for those interesting stories. I just don't think we should do it at the cost of like dumping on everything that came before it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Remember where you came from. Cause two reasons it, it got you where you are. And if you don't remember it, you might repeat the shit that happened in the past. Uh, there's no real way to transition into this. So esports hits the big time with overwatch coming to ESPN slash Disney slash ABC slash form factor or whatever that stupid channel is. They Freeform. Have. <laughs> Freeform. Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. That's a huge step. Oh, you think it's cool, but well, uh, historically, you, historically, no, 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 it is cool. But uh, you have not seen the vitriol that comes out of the <laughs> the normie sports community. I am done. <laughs> Which vitriol this episode? <laughs> uh, this is your no. job, Phil. That's why you shaved your damn head. Fuck, so up, get in there. So in the past, ESPN has occasionally tested the waters by showing some esports. Like they've shown some League of Legends, I believe, some Dota 2, stuff like that. They, they've, real quick, to cut you off in mid-perked mouth. Uh, yes, they, they've, <laughs> done, um, they've done the championships normally. You know, the League yeah. of Legends championships, Dota championships, when there's multi-million dollars on the line on that yep. game. Right. Continue. Whenever that happens, if you go to their website and you look at the comments section or you go on social media and you look at the comments, it is bad. Uh, it's really, really interesting to see how much uh, sports fans reject the idea of people finding entertainment and watching people play video games for sports. So this is a pretty big thing. And it's, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think it's a great step forward for esports. I think getting esports into the mainstream like this on major networks, getting major time slots is a huge step forward for the, you know, the sub industry that is esports. Um, I think honestly, as a gamer, I think there's every bit as much potential entertainment in, you know, watching people play a video game as there is watching people play a sport. So, but how are they going to be able to run Sports Center eight hours a day if sports going on? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I need Wait. to see the same highlight well, no, for eight we're, hours. We don't want to give our rerun of the 1982 Alabama Florida Gators fucking football when they're <laughs> running esports. Or oh wait, wait, when am I going to get to see the replay of the 1988 Bowling PGA goddamn championship? You know, right. if I miss the first part of the top ten greatest plays of the game, I gotta wait another hour until that comes on. And this esports <laughs> stuff, that's gonna mess up my whole schedule. Yeah. So how are they gonna do the highlights now? Are they gonna devote like the oh, last don't, five don't minutes of Sports Center to in. I, you know I'm gonna start a petition now that them esporter boys cannot be part of my top ten plays. <laughs> You know, this Could you imagine if they just shuffled esports in with normal sports <laughs> oh highlights? God. God. So you're like, you're like, number three play of the week is LeBron James dunking on this fool, and then double lift dunks on this fool in League of Legends. No, 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 not even, that, not even that, not even because everybody, you know, traditionally in esports, you use their screen names, their their yep. their username, so you know. Cat turd eighty nine coming yeah. in from above. Oh God! Oh, right? God! Well, to, to be fair, Double Lift is a pro uh, League of Legends player. I never heard of him. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think this is cool. Um, 
I imagine people are going to be super fucking pissed that I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And here's, here's a tip for the, the e-gamers, especially the up-and-comers. Pick your gamer tag wisely because they're not going to show Dick Sucker 69 on ESPN. Oh, this, this is going to be the non-person on the team. Charles, stop trying to get more friends on Steam. You don't have to drop your Steam name here. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the funny thing. Um, every Easter – or not Easter, Jesus. Every Thanksgiving is the championships for Heroes of the Storm. Mm-hmm. So it has become a tradition in my in-laws' house that we watch the Heroes of the Storm championships on the big screen instead of watching whatever bullshit football game is on. To the point now, my father-in-law, after about two years of doing this, he's kind of anticipating and following the league, you know, without me and Suzanne. <laughs> and he's invested in a team now. So it, cool. that, that's, it is cool, and it is interesting. I mean, uh, fucking sports people, get off your fucking high horse, please. Um, I am a sports nerd. I, I straddle mm-hmm. that line between hardcore sports fanatic and, you know, the archduke of casual nerdism, you know. So it, it's, it can be done, you know. Yeah. There's, there is some gray area between the two. I've even watched some Disney XD. Um, they had Heroes on the Storm, you know, a couple games on there, you know, at, ah, shit, I think it was like 1130 at night. Right. <laughs> but, still, but still, I mean, it, it made it on to cable television. I just, oh, man, people got too much time on their fucking hands. Go <laughs> <laughs> well, read a book. You know, get off them goddamn fucking comment sections and go read a goddamn book. Well, you know, so the like the Bible, the really interesting thing about this is, though, you know, there's been a lot of news coverage about the decline in viewership for pro sports. Right. Well, right. I can tell you why I stopped watching one of them. Oh, because those those black fellas kneeled. Well, they that- are disrespecting my so, God. <laughs> double lift always sits to play, so he'll never stand for the anthem. I'm just oh, saying. my God. Um. So th- that's a real thing, though, right? So yeah. there's been a decline in sports viewership. Sure. The elephant in the room is because the youth of today are like gaming is, if it is not already the most popular form of entertainment, it is very close to being there and it will be. So, and, and with stuff like YouTube and Twitch being as huge as they are now, like this is the future. And the reality is I don't think pro sports are going to go away forever or just quickly or anything like that. They're going to go away for a while and then, you know, be well, no, uh, but I, there is a decline in interest uh, though. I mean, it's not within the realm of the show, but I, I do think some, because of some of the medical stuff that's kind of, medical research that's coming, I do think certain pro sports are going to get hit hard by serious sanctions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in in the future um particularly the cte issue sure. so there there's i i feel like any any sports network any sports broadcaster right now who has their head in the game and understands how tenuous that that whole situation is <laughs> charles or phil just keeps laughing at all my head jokes <laughs> ct steve um <laughs> that's a stranger that's things a, that's a back. joke just for me and paul <laughs> yep uh I, I, I feel like they have to realize that they're like, so the NFL is the perfect example. If, if the CTE thing blows up and like 
it goes wide and like there's major court cases against the NFL and against teams, it could seriously gut that whole sport, right? It could, it could lay it low. I mean, there's, there's millions, if not billions of dollars on the line and it could very easily topple the game as we know it right now. Cause if definitive medical research comes out that says that the way that we play that game right now is destroying people's brains and causing them to do horrible stuff, such as like Aaron Hernandez and other people, then they're going to have to change standards, which could impact the excitement factor of those games, which could further decrease viewership. Also people bitch about everything. So they'll be like, Oh, I can't believe they're like wussing up this game and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So if you're running an ESPN or any other sports broadcaster, it's really smart right now to be tapped into what else is going on in the world that you could potentially do replacement programming with because the bottom might fall out on you. Yeah. So that's a, that's more sports than we should really ever talk about on this show, but there you are. (laughs) Hey, it was almost relevant. So that works. Uh, This news broke, I guess today, maybe yesterday. I saw it today. Uh, we'd heard rumors and, and whatnot. Um, I don't even know what to think about this. I, I like Joaquin Phoenix. I enjoy the character of the Joker, but we're going to get a Joker origin film with Joaquin Phoenix. And I haven't read it, so presumably, because sometimes you get a big name who won't be the main character, but presumably this is going to be him as the Joker. I, yeah, see, that's my thing is I kind of feel like he's too old to do an origin story of the Joker. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he's going to be the, the, the catalyst. Like Wolverine Origins, the, the, the general, right? The what? Wolverine. What? Oh, don't play that bullshit with me. <laughs> you know, so sometimes you get big main people to be the ancillary characters that cause the main character to do their thing, and the main character will be played by nobody. So we it says signed on the star, but we still don't know if that means the Joker's the star of the film. But Joaquin Phoenix is going to be in the Joker origins story. I'm down with it. I mean, th- yeah. you can't put an age behind the Joker because yeah, he's fucking timeless. He's under makeup for most of the time. But well, I'd, also, my, I'm fine with it. But my only objection is that he's old. Oh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I think it's gonna work, man. God, you're such a fucking ageist. I am. Fuck those old people. I, I think it's he's weird, man. He's a weird dude. He I is. think yeah. it's perfect, man. Like I, I watched. I'm still here, and I dug every minute of that fucking weird mockumentary that him and Casey Affleck made. And you know he can get into characters. Like he can get into these weird niche characters that Joaquin Phoenix is the kind of guy that I'm not sure that I'd want to hang out with. I kind of, but I, I kind of do want friends to. Yeah, right? like him. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just thinking back on how he got into the role of becoming Johnny Cash. And during that movie, I just yeah. saw Johnny Cash. Right. Yeah. Walk the line was mind blowing. Yeah. And it, yeah. And even his performance in her, you know, when he's, mm-hmm. you know, falling in love with his telephone, mm-hmm. it was, he's, he's a character actor. He's a character person. I think this is going to work. If I can't get Gary Busey, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the meme Very is Gary Busey. 
Uh, well, so it's still being produced by Martin Scorsese, right? And it's going to be directed by The Hangover's Todd Phillips, which we know he does dark humor well. Todd Phillips did old school. I mean, he yeah he he's he knows what he's doing. So, and honestly, you need it to be dark humor. You need to be able to laugh at the really shit things that's going to happen in this film. You know, because otherwise, you're going to walk away scarred. And I mean, if you really dive into the origins of the Joker, it's got to be some really dark shit, right? It's got to be some fucked up, manipulative bullshit. Are we all glad, though? I mean, I like Jared Leto and some of the stuff he does. I definitely like him in 30 Seconds to Mars. But are we glad that it's not Jared Leto doing it? I mean, that's a, that's a different project, uh, Charles. Yeah. Right? These are two different movies. I know. I know. Yeah. I, no. I, I mean, I'm fine with either. I, I don't like the aesthetics of the Jared Leto Joker, but it's not because of him. No, he didn't make that decision at all. Right, no, he's just doing it. He's doing his job. Um, and I don't think he was doing it badly in Suicide Squad. I just don't think we got enough of him, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, 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 well, I mean, there's no Heath Ledger, and that's unfortunate because Heath Ledger just came out of nowhere with that performance, and that it's, well, we, it's tough. We've talked about that a bit, though. Yeah. Like, can we say definitively that that performance would have been as warmly received if Heath hadn't? very sadly passed away i watched that movie a number of times and and Heath gets better each time for me but that's just me personally mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i don't know i mean uh universally it, probably not but um i don't know i i, I again I, I the the direction they took the joker and suicide squad was just different and it didn't quite settle with me, but when I watch it again with you know with the kids for like the third or fourth time, and we'll see. And you're right, he he didn't have enough in it. Well, we'll see what happens in Suicide Squad two, and then of course in, in the it's gonna be wacky. Is it gonna be the Crown Prince of Crime, or we don't really have a working title yet? On this no, show. you nailed it. Crown Prince of Crime. Yep, you got it. All right. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna take a quick break and swap roles again so i'll quit being called paul i'll go back to being the goofy dumb shit who says stuff and pops a rant and me i'm sorry chris come home that's all i'm saying we'll be back in a minute after these messages we'll be right back boxing blakes be here to tell you to go over to patreon.com slash breaking the panel where you can get all kinds of great deals Come to the Discord and tell us what to talk about on each episode. Get exclusive panels and behind-the-scenes videos. Or you can surely just slip the tip right into us. All would be appreciated. I know for a fact that they just released an Ant-Man and Wasp panel. And the only place to get that is patreon.com slash breaking the panel. Thank you for your time. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed whatever generic film the blank thing we found to put into that spot this week. And Phil, hey, you know what, Phil? You got a lot to do. I don't ask you to do specific. I do them every week. So I appreciate that, sir. You're You're welcome. Um, all right, we got this email. So last week, this is this is really cool turnaround time, right? Last week we got into a discussion about uh, Sony saying, "Screw everybody, we're not going to go cross platform." 
and you know we got into uh, disagree well, a discussion. I mean, that is a hard of a discussion. Is there's more than one? Point. Oh no, I soapboxed. I mean, we can yeah yeah, and uh, we disagreed on it, and we left it there, and we asked you to give us your two cents, and Kyle Lemming surely did. So here is what Kyle has to say, and I'm sure. Paul will jump in when he needs to, or maybe we'll, oh, get to it. we'll see. I, I, I had offered to read it if you want me to, because it's it's lengthy. Yeah, you get to talk enough. I'll I'll, I'll read this. Oh fuck you! <laughs> now I'm just gonna <laughs> filibuster this bitch. <laughs> you don't got the votes. <laughs> uh, I usually only contact you guys when I'm listening to the show and think, no, that's so wrong, and that's why, in my opinion, Paul is super wrong about crossplay. <laughs> nope. First of all. Fortnite PS4 is crossplay with PC, but only PC. The rest uh, are all crossplay with each other. Rocket League PS4 is also crossplay with PC, but only PC. Yeah, I wasn't sure about Rocket League anymore. Well, it's okay. So here's the thing about crossplay, though, and I am going to jump in. There is a distinction. No, no, no. There's a distinction between matchmaking crossplay and actual lobby crossplay. So, and what I mean by that is. Rocket League, as we talked about last week, if I'm playing on PC, I can get PS4 players in my match, right? I cannot invite you, Charles, on the PS4 to join my party on PlayStation, or I'm sorry, on PC, and then we can just play together. That is not possible. So that is a distinct difference. Um, and I, I know that's one of the things that people are pushing for is, you know, if, you, if you're arguing that you want to be able to play with your friends, you're talking about being able to make a lobby together or a team you know, whatever, across platform. So right. there's a distinction there. Okay. Um, Rocket League does not have that. And I don't know that they have any plans to have that. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if Fortnite has that either. It uh, does. You can that's, play, you can make well, it. Well, that's, that's the impetus of the whole conversation. Okay. Obviously. All right. Party up with your friends. Last console generation, Xbox 360, was the one that was dominating. So people called for crossplay. Not mm-hmm. nearly like they are now. And Xbox said, no. They said no because, one, they're at the top. These are the points you made. They're at the top. Two, no game had done it before, so it would be new technology. Three, Sony had major security issues. I remember all those free games for all the times they fucked up, and that was his two cents there. Four, Sony's servers weren't nearly up to par with Xboxes at the time. Uh, Sony had free online play, but all the games would essentially be on Xbox servers since they were so much better. Xbox had more, way more reason to do cross, not to do cross-play with Sony back then than Sony does now. This console generation, Sony's on top. A while ago, Fortnite accidentally had crossplay between all consoles. They got rid of it, and Sony needs to agree to crossplay. So we know it's easy. It's as easy as a flip of a switch now because of the accident. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sony said they didn't want to do it because of security issues. What security issues would apply to Xbox but not PC? The most hackable, unsecure system available. Sony has no problem crossplaying with PC despite their security issues. I no. have a mm-hmm. go ahead. No, well, I was going to say okay, so. Microsoft said they didn't want to crossplay with Sony when they were ahead last generation because of security issues. Part of that was valid, but let's be real. Right. What they, they were using that as the thinly veiled excuse to not share their player base with Sony. I, I stand by that. And I know that Sony's doing the same thing right now. I acknowledge that. Sony's saying, no, I don't want to give you access to my customers. What I will refute, Kyle, here is you say that you think that Xbox had more reason not to do it than Sony does now. Sony has such a larger commanding lead comparatively to what Microsoft had last generation. Now it's a, it's kind of different stakes. Like they have sold so much more PlayStation fours 
then Xbox Ones or Switches are sold. It's not quite the same because it was a little closer to neck and neck before. I mean, they were in the lead, but it wasn't quite as – the gap wasn't so wide. Which, again, uh, boosters my point of if you're that far in the lead, then you've got nothing to lose. You have everything to lose, though. Because you fought hard to, well, you fought hard to come back and take that lead. Go ahead, continue. Continue <laughs> on here. Uh, if I can find the right fucking tab, I lost it. All right, here we go. I have a PS4. I have a PS. Yeah, shut up, Phil. I mean, I'm just trying to help you. I have a PS. I got to go to the right tab. Damn it! I have a PS4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. All this shit has done with Sony. All this shit has done with Sony is make me never want to buy a multiplayer game on their console again. I'll play it on PC or Switch so I can play with my friends. People are much more likely to buy a game on different systems to play with friends than they are to buy entire systems to play with friends. I that's my same fair. Except Fortnite is fucking free. Okay. Like I, no, no, no. Other, this, yes, it is. But, but, this is but into other the, the whole impetus of this whole cultural issue right now is around a free-to-play game, <laughs> right? Like, are you with me uh, here? They're making millions in right exactly. because people are choosing to buy skins and all that shit. Yeah, or the subscription or whatever. So they right. Can so if I'm on PlayStation, and I want to play with you on Xbox or PC. Rather, you're a PC guy. If I want to play with you on Steam. I want to play on my PlayStation. So I'm buying all my skins and shit on PlayStation and you'll get more money because I can play with Paul Klotz. You know, we all, we, we used Rocket League last week. I bought it for, what was it? 12 bucks for the discount. Yeah, it was on sale, yeah. Computer. But I'm not, well, I bought the extra pack there, Phil. So yeah, I was saying, I did the $12 pack. Uh, but I'm not going to buy skins and shit for the Mac because I'm only going to use that when we get together to play. I'm mm-hmm. going to play otherwise on my PlayStation, and that's where I'm going to put my yeah, two dollars for set. So that's a good example of the, the the buying culture of both games is pretty comparable between Rocket League and Fortnite in that you don't you're not getting anything that helps you play the game more easily or anything like that buying skins, and that's the same case in Fortnite for uh, Battle Royale, not for Save the World. Save the World is a completely different beast. Yeah, it's a whole different. You know, so the difference is though you still had to buy the game, right? So in the case of uh, PlayStation, a lot of people who have Rocket League on PlayStation got it for free as part of PlayStation Plus. It was actually one of the things that made Rocket League become as big as it is. Like they've attributed so much of their success to that. And they've actually spoken about it at length. It's a really cool story if you have any interest in that. Um, Fortnite is totally free though. You know, like you, so what we're, we're not talking about like if you were talking about like the latest Call of Duty, for example, when you're talking about crossplay, you're talking about well, what system am I going to buy this sixty dollar game for? Or in the case of Rocket League, this twenty dollar game for? Whatever system you buy it on, that manufacturer gets some portion of that sale, right? Right, right. Might not be a big percentage, but they get they get revenue from that, and then you know by extension, you know you're going to buy your online subscription so that you can play online and all of that stuff, and any future purchases, that kind of stuff. So they, there's, there's a barrier of entry there. The difference with a free-to-play game like Fortnite is there's no barrier of entry for people. So I, I really think that a lot of competitive advantage is tied up in that and the fact that it is so easy, you know what I mean, to just to get left out in the cold if you're Sony by just letting everybody run rampant all over your player base. Yes, but if they allowed cross-play... I would then buy my new Call of Duty on the PS4 because that's my preferred console. 
But wouldn't you buy it there anyways? No, it's your I, preferred console. No, I, I, if if I'm not allowed to play crossplay, no, I would go elsewhere. And because that's if, I think Kyle's point too. If, yeah. If Charles has an Xbox, right? Yep. And I want to play with Charles. My preferred method would be crossplay. I buy it on PS4. He plays on Xbox. We game together. But since they're not allowing this to happen, they're not going to get a cut of my profits. I will go to a different console that is going to up. I'll, I'll buy it on the Switch since me and Charles can now play and let Nintendo get a cut of that money. Right. And, and the whole idea, the whole impetus behind that is to save yourself money, right? You're going to buy it one time knowing mm-hmm. that if Klotz get it or I get it, we can play together versus, well, I mean, that's something I think about. Well, okay, but, let's be honest. I don't think about it because I really don't buy – I buy like one game a year, two games a year, or I buy it sale. Are, are, are no. you both following what I'm saying, though, where yeah. it's a different situation between software that you sure. buy sure, sure, versus sure. a free-to-play game? Yes. Because that everybody's but, bitching about Fortnite because it's the biggest thing in gaming right now, right? I'll, I'll be fair. T- I'll be fair. Your whole point last week started off as the way people were trying to shame right. Sony, and that's some bullshit. And then we get off into mm-hmm. other bigger – conversation yeah. so I'll, I'll i'll absolutely back you on that one is that your point was not sony's right and they shouldn't ever share you just made some counterpoints to what we were saying um because yes this one thing but this is this is roe v wade may not get not on a holy shit but it's a pinnacle this is a pinnacle moment in gaming history of it's not about this one free-to-play game it's about what will happen after this and the ramifications that will come and if it still lands sonny still lands on the side of fuck you then we got another okay. ten years of I actually, crossplay. I love that you framed the discussion that way because no, 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 th- that's a good thing. I mean, maybe I stepped in a little bit, but you're, no, 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 no. Choice. Okay. I'm pro PlayStation. <laughs> no, 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 no. But here's the thing. Okay, so one of the things. Uh, so you brought up a Supreme Court case. We're not the the particular case doesn't matter. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. The thing about a Supreme Court case is that there's tremendous amounts of deliberation that go into that process because they have to think about the long-term ramifications of that judgment, right? So like a Supreme Court judgment establishes precedents on a federal level that trickles down every place else, right? And so they have to really think about the consequences of every decision they make, right? assuming everybody and also because the Supreme court's supposed to be apolitical, you know what I mean? It's the whole idea though, is that you don't make those choices idly. You don't make them rashly. You you deliberate at length. The presumably the judges confer with each other. They debate it with each other. They fight. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it, 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 it's, it Roe v. Wade. no, No, we're not getting into that. We're not doing history. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, The point is, a lot of thought has to go into that. I feel like most of the community right now is only thinking about themselves. They're thinking, I am the consumer. I want to play Fortnite with my buddies. Fortnite is free. I don't give a fuck what it costs Sony or whoever or what the long-term ramifications are to Sony saying, yeah, I'm down. And, you know, They don't care about any of that because it works for them, right? That could be a fair assessment as part of the and and yes. now that being said, doing things that provide benefits to your customers is a good plus. It's it's how you establish brand loyalty. It, you make your customers feel you know wanted and appreciated and all that stuff. That's good. However, if you shoot yourself in the foot to do that, if you establish a precedent 
that fucks you later on, you might not want to do that. And there's a lot behind the scenes that we as a general public have no access to, you know what I mean? Information wise, we don't know that like none of us on this show are network security experts, right? So we don't know the actual current status of how secure the various networks are. We also don't know what potential there are for hacks, you know, exploits, backdoors, you name it. So when you start being like, oh yeah, we should just fucking crossplay because crossplay is good for the consumer. It's good for the proletariat, right? You don't know what you're saying. I don't know what I'm saying. There are people who work for these companies who do know precisely what we're asking for. And I bet I'm willing to wager that it's a lot more complicated than people think it is and that there's a lot more potential exposure there than people want to admit. That being said, I definitely think that Microsoft and and, uh, Nintendo are in a position right now where they're like, well, it's worth the risk for us. You know what I mean? Because we need to get that market share. We're we're behind. We're playing catch up. Mm -hmm. This is a marketable decision for us. It's an easy choice for us. I don't know that Sony's in the same position. Sony has, if we're talking business-wise, we're taking lovey-dovey, I love my customers out of this. If you're talking strictly dollar and cents, right. I don't know that it's a good decision for Sony to bend here and give people what they want because it could close a ton of doors for them in the future or open the floodgates to a whole bunch of other issues or problems or potential you know, wealth and riches going forward. It's a complicated situation. It's not as simple as people are trying to frame it. And it's really frustrating to see people label a company as being anti-consumer when the crux of their argument is, I want to be able to play this free game with my friends no matter what fuck, you know, what the fuck they own, even though that's never been possible before. And you know what I mean? Like it, it just, it seems really disingenuous to act like X company is the enemy because they won't just give me everything I want for free. I'm the promise that I might spend money there. So do you, you're way closer to this than I am. Do you see this Fortnite PlayStation debacle staying around for a while? Or do you think this is going to fizzle out in the next couple, let's say, month or two? Six it's months. Hard, it's hard to say. Some people have projected that they think Sony's just going to try to weather the storm and let the hype die down. Uh, some people think that it's going to impact sales in the next generation. We're, well, at least, we're at least a year out from the next generation. And that was my next, least, yeah. my next point I was going to bring up. I mean, if this keeps going on and the PS5 comes out, I mean, there's definitely going to be, you know, oh, yeah. uh, some the, damages. The, the, the goddamn marketers at, at Xbox or Microsoft, <laughs> rather, should get fucking fired instantly if they don't bring that out as their number one bullet of, mm. hey, Xbox one part two is being released and we'll play with everybody well bastards won't yeah Yeah. well that that's one of the things that really fucked microsoft right when they did e3 and i think it was 2013 if i recall correctly maybe it was about the drm stuff yeah well everything it was the drm focus the always online thing the the no used games you know oh yeah that all of that they that's what really gets me is people are like, Sony's so fucking anti-consumer. And it's like, Sony has been pretty steady in what they do. Five years ago, Microsoft was like, fuck all of y'all. We're going to do all of this anti-consumer shit to try to get you to spend as much money as you possibly can with us. Because it would have worked for them if their hype 
had rolled over from the Xbox 360. But on top of trying to do all that stuff and really turning off a lot of people, not to mention they had a representative of the company make do a oh, yeah. social media faux pas, oh. I, basically calling everybody who didn't wasn't in like into having always connected online features as a default. Basically, hokel, you know, like hokel. Oh, your yokels, your 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 hillbillies or whatever. Yeah, yokel locals. Yo, yeah, exactly. Uh, your your hill people. And so basically like they completely botched it on a PR and consumer perspective level. (laughs) If I, so if I say it a third time, does it do the whole, I get get to leave the show. (laughs) (laughs) Or Dennis appears out of nowhere. What's fun. What's, what's fun about the second part of this conversation is that you definitely tell where your heart is. Uh, Cause you, it's, it's, it's me and rotten tomatoes is when people, as a general loudmouth community starts going, oh, the movie comes out this afternoon, but Rotten Tomatoes says it gets a one, so fuck it. I'm like, fuck you. Go go watch it if you want to. This is, Your heart is, uh, you're a player, but you understand the business of things that goes on, and you still keep going. And there's nothing wrong with this. It's just an observation. You still keep coming back to, fuck the people who are forgetting what Xbox did to us and just focusing on Sony going, you're not giving me what I want, so you're evil. Fuck you. And I get that. I get where you're coming well, that- from. And another part, context matters here, right? Fortnite's yes. a free-to-play game, and the, the the swath of customer base skews very young. So a lot of the vocal fucking people who are really amped up about Fortnite right now are teenagers and kids or college students, you know what I mean? Like very young, people who don't have a lot of money, who aren't what we would consider, you know, your, your frequent consumer, the people who are actually injecting a lot of cash into the industry, they probably spend a little bit here and there, but that's not where the bulk of the spending is. You know, we know that in the gaming industry, the bulk of the spending comes from people in their late twenties through their thirties. We've seen that, like, there's data on that. They've acknowledged that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about a lot of people that have no fucking skin in the game, having really strong fucking opinions yeah. and also not being old enough to have any real context to where we were 10 years ago. Sure. So that that's yeah. my point is it's like, let's not nail Sony to the cross yet because we need the wood. Cause you want instant <laughs> gratification. <laughs> yeah. Cause you want instant gratification. It, they Sony has been very good to its, customers i think they put out a great system they have put out a ton of great software tons of great games ps plus has been very generous they give out a lot of great games yeah but they're 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 stealing from me a little bit which is irritating i was lazy so i was lazy so it's 60 dollars a year for i'll get to the email yes that's not how you spell email phil (laughs) no it isn't jesus christ (laughs) You got to watch the video, people. Patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, I plan on finishing the email but I because I want to bring it back to it. But yeah, Sony um, is $60 a year for PlayStation Plus, right? Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm going to be lazy. I'm not going to go at the Best Buy. Well, I tried the Xbox thing where I tried to find it online for cheaper. Mm-hmm. With Xbox Gold Live, you can, you can usually get it for about 40 bucks. Can't do that, PlayStation. Okay, well, I'm not going to get off my couch and drive the 10 minutes to Best Buy to buy a fucking card for 60 bucks. I'm just going to sign up right through my PlayStation. Sure. Every month since then, they've hit me for $10. We're in month eight, and they've hit me for $10. I was like, what? Why am I paying you 80 bucks? It's 60 goddamn dollars, man. What are you doing? It's $10 a month, is it not? Unless you you buy the whole year. It didn't give me an option to buy the whole year. 
And when I'm I signed up to so, pretty so, sure oh, tricky, tricky. Shut up, Paul. I'm always right. I'm willing to bet if I logged into your PlayStation when I come down for Dragon Con, I'm going to find out that you're a real dumb motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, man. But like, I, I am almost positive that if I log into your PlayStation, I'm going to be like, I, did one of the, I got one of those 14 day free trial things and yeah. signed up to that. Well, that's so, the other way that they get you. If you get yeah. one of those free trials, that just auto bills. I'm pretty I'm sure auto bill. I just thought it'd stop at 60 fucking dollars. No, actually, maybe I marked something wrong. Cause I, I kept looking for $60 coming on my account. And it fucking didn't. And then it was like $10. I'm like shit. And yeah. you know what? Me. Complaining about it? I ain't sat down and done dick about it either. I haven't changed. Yeah, it yeah. Well, that's the whole fucking thing in a nutshell, is it not? Is it not? Yeah, it kind of is. All right, before you finish, I, I haven't now. been happy with Star Wars in thirty-five <laughs> fucking years. I want Richard Donner Superman, motherfucker. Before before you finish Kyle's email, I'm gonna say this: what I am advocating is don't crucify the one company unless we have a, a really complete picture of the whole story and everybody's considered every possible angle on it. No. That being said, I am absolutely against, because Kyle talks about it in his email here in a minute. I'm absolutely against the lockout shit that they did with the Epic Games accounts. Any account that logged in on PlayStation cannot oh. be accessed on other services. That is bullshit. That is yeah. fucked up. Epic Games should never have accepted that, you know, should never have agreed to that. Uh, further, Sony should absolutely walk that back and be like, "Listen, yeah, we we didn't know what we were getting into with all this. We're gonna we're gonna just take that little stipulation back because that is something that is greedy. I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. Give yeah, give, give 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 people their accounts back. It's fucked up that they bought a bunch of stuff on your platform, or if they bought on PC and then played on your platform, and now they can't take that stuff to the other platforms. That's pretty shitty. I mean, Rocket League's that way, but like I said, it's again, it's a difference between matchmaking alone and actual like you know being able to group up and everything. Um, I think you should definitely roll that back and make that good with the community. I also think that that would earn a lot of social capital back for them i think people would be like all right well yeah and they should probably do something like throw something in for people that got locked out for all that time too whether it be a free month of you know of the ps plus or something like that for anybody that qualifies they should do something uh because that's a really bad look for them and i don't support that yeah, yeah. All, all i can't i can't have all i hear in my head sony get your money sony get your money <laughs> this is a console Anyway, uh, back to what Kyle's saying. Uh, <laughs> Wait, there's like, more of this email? Uh, yeah. More of this email? <laughs> email? <laughs> in, in email read you. Uh, I played Fortnite for a little on PS4. Then my friends started playing on Xbox, so I switched to PC in order to play with them. Since I had an Epic Games account, my little progress carried over. I bought the Battle Pass on PC and played a bunch. Fortnite comes out on Switch. I go to check it out, but nope. I can't use my Epic Games account on Switch because it's been used on PS4. That was your mind. Can't access the content I paid for on PC because PS4 is locking it down. Sony's only public excuse for not having crossplay is security issues, which are non-existent. Now, more than ever, devices are becoming more compatible with each other. Now is when people are asking for change. Now is when that change is easily doable. I have a dream. No, I added that part. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Xbox did it last gen, so Sony can do it this gen as a lame excuse to not support crossplay. You can't shit on one company for doing it and then do it yourself when you're in a similar situation. Xbox was being shitty before, but at least had some reasonable excuses not to do it. That's that is arguable, but I think what he, what he is saying here is is the deeper culture of, uh, and this is why Fortnite is such a, a smash hit is consoles. And this is what you're talking about. Class consoles, $60 by a game. That's what you get and you get this experience. Whereas mobile is blown up and mobile is fucking match this stupid jewel until you can't match it no more than here. Throw a dollar at it and make billions. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but mobile gaming doesn't matter what fucking phone you're on. You can goddamn play together. And well, that's, that, that's not always entirely true, though, either. Yeah, well, Some games aren't available no, on older phones and stuff. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you... We're not getting into that. Android versus iOS versus... That's all I'm talking about. Well, it's, sometimes so. it's not available on multi-platform, either. I, actually, that's a good example. I'm going to stab you in the pee hole. No, 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 no. So, a, a, number of the games that I, a number of the games that I play, if you... I'm sorry. If you... If you play, you can play... You can access, your, for example, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. You can log in on either... Apple or Android. But if you bought premium currency on either platform, when you log in on the other platform, that currency does not show up. Yeah, but what most people are doing, my point was most people are doing is like, I have an iPhone. I'm going to play my iPhone. Oh, clutch, you're playing on an Android and you're playing, hey, let's, all right, boom, we tagged up just like that. That's really, I mean, yes, you're referring yeah, but those to, can, yeah, his, that's you're referring to his epic account crossover right. there, but. Yeah, and and uh, it's, I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of a completely different situation too. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not people, the same kind of thing that that's people not are That's the zeitgeist, though. The zeitgeist is all my shit works together. Well, the zeitgeist is I want mine, and I don't care about the consequences. That's I mean, always, that's that's always, always the zeitgeist, really. Yeah, right. No, I know. But that's what we've been talking about this entire episode is, like, yeah. people just want things the way they want it, and they don't consider any of the consequences or any of the implications, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I'm, I'm laughing at Phil laughing so hard. Yeah. Let me finish this out. We'll get it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no, I'm not an Xbox fanboy. I hate Microsoft, and I will never purchase another Xbox product again since the 360. I buy Sony for the amazing exclusives. Their biggest exclusives were not multiplayer games. They were single-player experiences. Mm -hmm. Crossplay would not affect them in a negative way, and if anything, not supporting it will have more of a negative impact because of people not buying multiplayer games on their console as much when they know they can play with more people on other consoles. The fact that they are receiving so much backlash and that they have come out and said they're looking at ways to fix the issue should tell you that they're either losing money or getting so much negative attention that they want to address it. Uh, well, okay. I'll put a little bit on that real quick. No, that means they patted us on the head. Just because they're looking into it doesn't mean we're actually going to get anything out of it. Because sometimes in our society, and this is worldwide, I just mean our current time era society, is it we fuck the man makes up we're sorry we're gonna we're gonna look into that and we'll get right back to you and this isn't going on for ages i mean i'm sure you probably found some fucking hieroglyphics where you just are like yeah man we're gonna look into that we'll be back with you <laughs> so but and, that's, and then the person's like okay thanks and then they just keep on doing what the fuck they want to do they've got top men looking into it yeah top men that's sexist as shit men uh, it was the 40s. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that, I mean, so just because I think the point of we go into that next next console war, right, which is in the next year or so, maybe two years, because we're at the 12, 15, 12 to 15 year mark by that point. Uh, I think 12 now and 15 by then. Um, then, yeah, if it hasn't fixed it and Microsoft and Nintendo do well 
And that's the thing. They might crash and burn. I mean, they might find nobody wants to fucking crossplay. They might go, oh, we're sorry, quietly have to shut down our servers for crossplay because nobody's actually using it. It's costing us too much money. We don't know. But if it does work, there's a lot of this here, but if it does work and if it's going well and they go into that next war, they're absolutely are going to be just firing grape shot at fucking Sony to rip them. Of course they are. But I mean, that's, that's what happens in a competitive environment. Yeah. You find an angle to work and you try to cut down the other guy. Right. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a tale as old as time. It's how business has always been done. I know. I can't. I did too. I hate that. Uh, Okay. So uh, they have to, how's this good for Sony? How many people are still buying playstations this late in life cycle? That's always a good question. I always, that myself it still does pretty oh, well yeah i'll get some numbers we'll talk about here in a second are we just never going to have cross play because there will always be one console with more of a market share than the others maybe now's the time this is it now's the time it's easy to implement and people are demanding it sony doesn't even need to do anything on their end besides give the okay and, and then he finishes up well how quickly did paul dismiss this email entirely actually paul i'm proud of you you didn't uh, dismiss he, this entirely. Well, he waited till we got three lines deep <laughs> before he said. No, okay, so well, that's where we start fighting. But you didn't well, actually dismiss the whole thing. I'll give you that. No, I, and and I love Kyle. Kyle's been a longtime fan. He's chimed in yeah. before. Kyle's cool. Um, and Kyle, I honestly, I'd love to have a conversation about this. You know what I mean? It, it's and your email gave us this opportunity to have a, a further conversation on it. Um, you you mentioned that this is what people are demanding. Yes. People ask for what they want, but rarely do they ask for what they need, okay? Or rarely do they consider the ramifications of what they ask for, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, it's that whole Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing, you know what I mean? Those kids are greedy, right? Those kids are greedy and they get punished for it. And in, in this situation, we're not sure yet if Sony is Veruca Salt <laughs> or if the fan base are you know what i mean yeah. so like my point is it, it's so easy to sit on the outside as a consumer and be like this is this is so easy it's something i want blah 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 just make it happen we know that you can and it's like but you don't understand none of us really have a perfect picture of the back end aspect of it the networking side the security side the long-term business ramifications I, i'm stressing that like and you, you mentioned you you're a playstation fan and you've bought PlayStation because of the great single-player games, and that cross-play will not affect those in a negative way, then cross-play doesn't do much for Sony. Sony is the front-runner, has sold a fuckload of consoles because people love the exclusives and love those single-player experiences and some multiplayer experiences. So why the fuck do they care about making you happy with cross-play? Because that's not what won them their market share. So there you Did, go. Do you Kyle. follow me? Like you're not going to not buy a place. <laughs> no, but but I'm just this one argument. It's like yeah. if your argument is that the reason why Sony is in the position they're in is because of their exclusives and their single player experiences, then crossplay benefits them hardly at all, if any. So unless the next big you know wave of the future is going to be a crossplay eligible title where there's going to be real competition in the marketplace where people are seriously going to go shit should i get a playstation 5 or should i get an xbox fuck 50 or should i get a you know the the microsoft or microsoft uh the nintendo switch off you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) we're not at a point where people are choosing between these consoles because of the hardware themselves 
which is where crossplay becomes much more you know lucrative to the to the general swath is like oh people are buying because of exclusives so if you have the advantage the competitive advantage in your exclusives why would you give ground to your competitors i think people also buy out of for loyalty. free uh, hmm? but, but i think people also buy out of loyalty but right but like i mean to it, give the consumers what they need <laughs> well what the consumers need is a swift kick well, in the ass uh, okay sony if it weren't for my friends, I wouldn't give two shits about Rocket League. I'd mm -hmm. play the free games you give me every month and, yeah. and just stay old school game where I'm playing XCOM 2 for the goddamn game because I just got it on the PlayStation for free. you know. But because I have friends, I have spent money to play with my friends. And, mm -hmm. I mean, there is that market base. Is it big enough? I don't know. But there is one last thing to consider, Kyle, in all of this. Uh, the, a, a, a legit business consideration is do you really want to do copy what the losers are doing? I'm not saying that Xbox, but they're losing the battle, right? Xbox, Nintendo are not selling nearly as many. And their fan base are losers. Yeah, that's right, that's Phil. That's what I just said. That Joe. is what I said. So I want to mouth breathers. Fuck the Fuck losers. Mouth breathers. Fucking Xbox normies. So <laughs> uh, apparently Microsoft stopped releasing Xbox sales about four years ago. But according to what... Uh, digital trends could look up a, roughly it looks like Xbox One on average has sold less than 8 million units per year since launch whereas PS4 has sold more than 18 million per year mm -hmm. so that's, that's I mean kind of a, that's what I was like it's not a close race okay yeah. not at all and do you know why Sony or Microsoft doesn't release their numbers anymore it's just the same reason why Blizzard doesn't release their subscriber numbers anymore because when they dip people look at that and they go, ha, that's, yeah. you suck. And this is proof, right? Yeah. And, and no company wants that exposure. No company wants a definitive metric that people can point to and be like, you've sucked lately. And look, that's the proof, right? That's why Blizzard doesn't do subs. And that's why Microsoft doesn't tell you how many consoles they didn't sell. And that is the story. It's not how many they did sell. It's how many they didn't sell because they yeah. fucked up. Okay. Oh, yeah, they and, totally fucked up. Coming and up. Nintendo, too. Like, I love what Nintendo's doing with the Switch. I was pretty dubious on the Switch initially. I thought it was kind of gimmicky, and I thought it was going to fizzle out, but they've done a pretty good job. They're still not pleasing everybody because their release schedule's been kind of slow, and they're not getting to where they need to get with a lot of things. But the Wii U, the Wii was not compatible with, the last, with, with its generation in any way. It was innovative in its own way, but it was nowhere near hardware-wise. And the Wii U was a huge mistake, you know, whether it was marketing or just whatever. It was a prototype for the Switch. Sure. So Nintendo is only just now getting really in the game with consoles again in the way that they should be, a, a direct competitor to Sony and Microsoft. I would be interested to see how this would be if Nintendo was in the lead, like, say, three years from now. Because I'm, I'm willing to bet if somebody pulls forward in the next generation and becomes the new front runner, they're going to shut this shit down just the same way. Uh, I don't know, uh, man. Unless there's a huge there's... cultural shift where crossplay is the way to go with everything, and there's and money in it. How would you get to that big, you know, communal switch in gaming or anywhere, Paul? But that's not necessarily a Being good thing. Being vocal about it and getting yeah. out there and asking for it, Paul. But that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the way you get to it is by listening to Breaking the Panel each Well, week. here's the thing. Listen, 
all three of these corporations are bloodthirsty corporations that give no fucks about any of us. They just care that their fucking pockets get lined. Nintendo is the most anti-consumer fucking company out there. Microsoft, likewise. PlayStation, likewise. I mean, Nintendo likes to have the idea that they're going to make money, and then they don't produce (laughs) enough to actually make the money. So, I, I mean, you know, please... Put all your consoles into a pile, set them on fire, and come over on PC where we can yes. <laughs> to the promised land where you can't get a right. new, where you cannot get a new video card because fuck you, miners. <laughs> yeah, 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 well. oh. yeah you, you come to PC where your new video card will cost you the price of four consoles. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kyle, for writing in. If you'd like, yes, to thanks, email Kyle. It. Yeah, Kyle, give me your switch code. Let's be friends. There you go. Uh, be, and actually, you're both in our Discord chat for FDH Beyond, so y'all can y'all can. Uh, he's also there. a patron for Botched. So there you go. Oh, what Wait. a man! He, he, I don't think he's a patron for us. No, no, he did. I mean, uh, why did we read this email? We oh, nothing from the fucking minutes on a goddamn normie. Crossplay this bitch. <laughs> you know Kyle's gonna laugh his ass off. Oh god, yeah, I hope so. Be like, oh, man. Uh, but you can email us in btp at giantsizeteamup.com. You can go watch the video of all us doing our shenanigans during the show at patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. And tune in every week to have us cool do cool new shenanigans and those kind of things. Phil, where can they find you? Oh, no, find me over at Imaginary Nomad on everything. All right. The end. <laughs> Paul? Or you can send me an email. An email? An email at Imaginary just, just, just send them fucking Pony Express, why don't you? Jesus. <laughs> Who sends emails? Email. My pony. <laughs> email. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. However, I will probably not see it. Though I did get a fancy new phone, so I actually do get updates for a lot of shit now. Uh, you can also catch me on Facebook. Uh, you can hit me up through the the show page. Uh, I might set up a fan page at some point. For yourself? Know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd be like the only fan of it. Pawnplots.com. <laughs> yeah, you block I mean, everybody. They can just I, I'm, I'm pretty full of myself, so, you know, that is, I, you know, I do think very highly of myself. Uh, no, but, um, yeah, you can hit me up through the show page and, yeah, keep, keep good feedback like this coming. Honestly, like, even if I still don't agree with Kyle, I enjoy having this conversation. Yes. Arguing. I enjoy <laughs> having conversations that are one-sided and angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm laughing. I know. I know. Fuck uh, you. You can find more of me at charlesmcfall.com, rockoutapodcasting.com. All over the web is rockoutapodcasting or rockoutapod if it's a shorter like Twitter. And, of course, I will be at Atlanta Comic Con all weekend out hanging with my boy Tony P. Henderson of Geekverse. Tony P. We'll be there uh, uh, all three days, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, so if you're in Atlanta in the area and you're hearing this, I think this should come out probably actually Saturday, never mind this will come out this will come out after the con's pretty much done so but if you hear it and it's still 13th 14th or 15th of july come come check me out it'll be fun and of course all of us will be at dragon con this year as september or august 30th 31st first second third so it's labor day weekend so lots of great panels we're gonna be doing this shenanigans type show 
on uh, live on at Dragon Con. As we get just to jump in, as we get closer to Dragon Con, once we have a finalized schedule, we will yes. publish it through the Facebook, so Absolutely. you can know when to either. Uh, hopefully, we'll have the live stream again, like we had last year. You'll be able to tune in that way, or uh, I'm sure we'll try to find a way to record some stuff. You know, otherwise mm -hmm. as well. If you're going to be there and you want to meet up with us, please mes message us ahead of time or come see us at one of our panels. Uh, all three of us are on a bunch of fucking different panels. Like we're moderating, we're yeah. panel panelists, we're all over the place. Botched is doing their show, which will I cannot wait for. Oh boy, let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's build it up. Last year was so fucking incredible, and I can't wait to see it just go. Woo! <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be absolutely insane. Well, yeah. Um, come find me at Dragon Con, and I'll allow you to buy me a beer. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right, check us out next week. And Chris Wisdom, fucking keep shoveling that sand, bitch. Bitch. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. <laughs>